what a treat. Ladies, before I say a word, I want to go to prayer, okay? So join me in prayer. Precious Lord, before I say a single word, I want to seek you first, and I want to bring my heart. Father, it is absolutely no coincidence that every woman is in this room tonight. Lord, I believe with all of my heart that you have divinely orchestrated this gathering. Lord, you know every single detail about every single one of us that is here, Father. And I believe that you are going to do some amazing things. Father, my only ask is let me decrease so that you may increase, Father. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In your unchanging name, I pray. And all of God's girls said, amen. Ladies, I'm so glad to be here. I told somebody that I am so happy to be here I could almost dance. But dancing was frowned upon when I was a child. So therefore, I won't dance because I'm not very good at it. Um, but I, I'm so happy to be here. It's just, it seems like it's been such a long time in the making. I don't even know when we started talking about this conference. And I, I thought, you know, Sister Wanda was like, wow, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel uh, asking me to come speak. But I'm so happy to be here. So I want to I call out my sister really quickly. Um, that was quite a surprise. I said, where did you make all that? stuff up at. Um, but I'm so thrilled that she could be here. She is my power partner. She is my battle buddy. She is my best gal pal on the planet. Uh, she's, she looks 35, but she's 60, uh, something like that. Um, I have adored her since I was born. I couldn't say the name Treva because honestly, who names their kid Treva, right? I mean, have you ever met another Treva? I haven't. Um, uh, I couldn't say Treva, so as a toddler, it came out Tita, T-E-E-D-A, and she has been my Tita. I'll be 49 next month. She has been my Tita for 49, almost 49 years, and she'll forever my Tita she will be. Um, so I was just super, super happy that she could drive over. Her and her husband pastor a church in Paris. That's Paris, Tennessee. It's not quite as sexy as Paris, France, but it's up there on the sexy scale. Um, but uh, it makes me laugh that she's a pastor's wife, it just because we know we grew up in that. And so I think it's hilarious, and I'm mostly glad it's her and not me, um, which is why I married a heathen. I made sure. Um, in fact, it's no joke. I asked my husband. He's, he's quite a bit older than me, and I specifically asked him when we were dating you don't feel called into the ministry in any slightest way, do you? I mean, not the slightest itch, right? And he said, heck no. And I was like, okay, I'll go out with you. Uh, I was like, under no uncertain terms do I want to be a pastor's wife. I will be like Jonah, and I will run the other way. Um, but I got to say, she is the kindest, most compassionate, most genuine woman I've ever met. Uh, she says that I'm her hero, which is just ridiculous, um, but she really is the person that I strive to be like, uh, so I'm just so happy that she could be here. We don't get to be together a lot, uh, but I'm glad that she could be here, and I also want to, I know this will be a big bag of duh, and you guys are going to say, hey, 
Captain Obvious. Thanks for bringing that up. But I want to point out your pastor's wife and your pastor. You guys already know you've got some of the best, right? Some of the best. Uh, it also makes me laugh that her name is Wanda. That's just my mom's name was Wanda. It's a long story, but it's just hilarious. Um, but Dwight and Wanda, I, I don't remember when they got to meet my mother and daddy, um, but they got to meet them before both my parents passed away, and it was just an instant connection. And I know that it settled my daddy's heart, knowing that this church, I mean, this church is amazing. So what God has done through them um, is just incredible. And to think that, that our family got to even be a small part of that is, uh, is really awesome. And I just want you to love on them. Being a pastor's wife and a pastor and a pastor's kid, none of it's easy. Uh, church people can be mean. Y'all bite. Sometimes you even leave marks. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, so take care of what you've got because I'll tell you, you've got, you've got some good ones uh, in, in Wanda and Dwight. So be good to them. And I just think it's, uh, it's just, it's so funny to me to be standing on the stage in Bloomfield Assembly. Granted, this isn't the church I grew up in, but part of it. And to think that I'm standing here wearing pants, wearing lipstick. You guys don't get that, but if you knew my mother, I mean, I sort of want to just sort of stick my tongue out at her and be like, ha ha, look, um, I don't know what heaven's like, and I don't imagine that they care much about what's going on down here, but I got to believe that if they do get to peek down at earth, I got to believe that my mother is up there with her little saintly friends saying, I didn't raise her like that. Uh, you know, like she didn't learn that in my house. Um, I can just imagine what she is, is thinking and saying. Um, for those of you that didn't have the pleasure of meeting my mom, um, I affectionately refer to her as the Sister Reverend Mother. It just feels like the right thing to call her. Um, she was the epitome of a southern preacher's wife, and she could pray down heaven, let me tell you. All of heaven paid attention when my mother prayed, and she had a, you know how at Miss America when they crown the queen, and then they say, if the queen can't fulfill her duties, there's a runner-up? I feel quite confident that if something happened to God, my mother is the runner-up. That if something happens and he can't fulfill the duties, they're like, well, here's Sister Reagan. Um, she, she, was just, uh, she was just a funny, funny lady, uh, just such a godly woman. And as a kid, I, I didn't really appreciate it. In fact, it was kind of embarrassing to me. Um, she's prayed all the time. I mean, I don't know. Is Town & Country Supermarket still here? So one time I was maybe, I don't know, 10 or 12, and we're at the grocery store. And out of nowhere, my mother just starts laying hands on a woman and praying for her right beside the ding-dongs. I mean, I was just like, what is happening? And when I was a kid, you know, the ding-dongs were wrapped in that aluminum foil, and they were real moist, and that's a sidebar, sorry. Um, but I was just, I remember being so embarrassed that my mother was like laying hands on someone, and I'm just staring at the hostess end cap like, this is awkward. Um, Today, I appreciate that as an adult. I did not as a child. 
And, and a lot of times when, when we would get off the school bus and come in the house, we would usually find Mother one of two or three places. She would be doing laundry, because there's a lot of us. She'd be uh, hanging clothes out on the clothesline, or she'd be in her bedroom praying. And I would say probably 75 to 80% of the time, we found her in her bedroom praying. And, and as an 8 or 9 or 10-year-old, that was a real inconvenience to me personally, because when I got home from school, I wanted to play with my friends, and we weren't allowed to go play with our friends without asking permission, and we weren't allowed to interrupt mother's prayer time. So you can see the problem that created for me. She prayed forever and for everybody. You ladies that know her, did she? I'm telling you, we would tell daddy, don't ask her to close the service. She starts a dang revival. We're ready to go home, and mom's down here saving people. So I would, you know, we would, we would find her praying, and my friends would come and knock on the door and say, can you come out and play? Of course, she's in there praying, so no, I can't. So in my loudest eight-year-old snotty voice, because their bedroom is, like, here's the front door. Their bedroom is kind of over here. So in my loudest voice, when my friends would come to the door, I would say, I can't come out and play right now because my mother is praying, and I'm not allowed to interrupt her. And I would say it loud enough, hoping that it would, in fact, interrupt her and that she would come out and let me go outside, and it never happened. I'm pretty sure that she just doubled down and said, God, you better give me extra strength to keep from killing that youngest one. Uh, it never happened. Um, but I tell you, she was, um, she, was, she was just, I didn't appreciate it as a kid, but I have to say one of the greatest treasures that we have as kids now is her prayer life. Um, honestly, I didn't listen to a lot of the lessons my mother tried to teach me. I ignored most of them. Um, my mother and I were very different. My mother was a very domestic woman. She had five kids. She loved her family by serving. I am not domestic. That gene skipped me completely. I don't have any domestic DNA. I don't cook well. I don't clean really much at all. I don't decorate well. Um, I pretty much wear jeans and boots and kick around in the dirt, and I'm a tomboy at heart. So, you know, oftentimes she did not understand me, and, and I did not always understand her. Um, but the one lesson that I did pay attention to and that I was very observant and intently watched was her prayer life. Uh, and I have to say that if there's a gift that you can give your family, it is get serious about praying for them. And don't ever stop. I mean, I was an, I was an ornery kid, I'm telling you. I, I feel kind of responsible for the mansion that she has in heaven um, because I, I kept her close to Jesus. Um, but get serious about pay, pay, praying for your kids. I am convinced, um, as, as are every one of my siblings, um, that many of the blessings that we enjoy in our lives are a direct result of my parents' faithfulness and obedience to Christ. Uh, there's five of us. Uh, there's there's uh, eight nieces and nephews, and now we have six six great uh, great grandchildren with one on the way. And every single one of them, well, the babies don't really count yet because they don't know Jesus yet. Um, but everyone that is of age knows the Lord. Um, and I think that that is just, a, there's no question in my mind that that is a heritage and a legacy uh, straight from the hand of God 
given to us through my parents. So don't ever give up on your family, even though they're rotten and you want to throw them out. Uh, don't give up because God will do beautiful things uh, in his own time. So I'm thrilled to be here. As you can see, I could talk to a tree. I could talk all night long. Uh, but we really are going to get into God's word. Uh, so ladies, if, if you would turn, if you brought your Bibles, if you didn't, shame on you. Um, but they've got it on the screen. Um, if you turn to the book of John, to John's gospel, I have my Bible, but I'm going to read it on my iPad because my eyes are getting so old, I can't see. I'm almost 49 years old. I'm premenopausal. I have no idea what that really means. That's just what the doctor told me. Uh, best as I can tell, I can go from crying to laughing to swearing to punching, all in about a 15-second span. I think that has something to do with it, but I'm not sure. Uh, so I'm just warning you, I could go into the ugly cry at any minute. Um, just give me some grace. I could be sweating in a minute. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Uh, but I, I know my eyes can't see very well. So John chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 15. I'm reading out of the ESV version. ESV version. So it says, after this, what does that mean, after this? Well, that means something happened before, right? Um, in John chapter 4, Jesus has the encounter with the Samaritan woman, and he heals the official son. But after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude, that means a lot, a multitude of invalids, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool where the water is stirred up. And when I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up. Take up your bed and walk. And at once, the man was healed. He took up his bed and he walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know it what, who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away, told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him, and this is why the Jews were, were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. So, in Jerusalem, there were three, put this Bible on the floor for a minute. In Jerusalem, there were three major festivals, generally, that, that kind of brought people back. And it's believed that, that Jesus had come back to celebrate the Feast of the Tabernacles. So there was usually the Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Tabernacles. It's believed that Jesus was back to celebrate the Feast of the Tabernacles. And people would come through, you can see in verse 2 it says the Sheep's Gate. People would come through the Sheep's Gate, that's where the shepherds would bring the sheep, 
And there was a pool there that was separated into two sides. One side was where the sheep would be washed, and the other side was where the, the people would come in. And you can see where it says um, that there was five roofed colonnades. Basically, it was kind of like five porches. And, and a multitude of invalids would gather under these five porches, not just a few, but a lot. A lot of invalids, a lot of lame, blind, paralyzed people would, would lay around this, this pool. And the spring would come up from underneath, and it would make the water overflow into the pool. And there was some kind of an urban legend that it was angels' wings that made the water move, and that if a person was in just the right place at just the right time, when that water got stirred, and if they got in it, they might get healed. That was kind of the legend. And, and this happened very, very infrequently. But these invalids would just lay around the pool hoping that it would happen. So every day they're laying there and they're like, well, maybe this might be my day. Um, and, you know, have you ever noticed that, that people kind of group together according to their issues? You know, people of, of like nature kind of tend, tend to kind of get together. You kind of find your people, you know what I mean? Um, and so in this case, kind of the same thing. Sometimes people with the same issues like to find each other, right? Like why, why hang out alone when you can hang out with others that have the same issues as you? And, and how many of you know that a culture can become more dangerous than the disease itself, right? You get enough people sitting around the pool together with their issues, that disease is going to fester. And this is what was happening here. All the people with the same issues kind of hanging around together. Most of these people wanted to be accepted, but they didn't want to be changed. They wanted to be comforted. They didn't want to be changed. They probably wanted to be enabled, didn't really want to be changed. But here's the problem. See, Jesus is in the changing business, right? Jesus doesn't necessarily come to comfort us. He does comfort us, but doesn't come to enable us or, or uh, to just tolerate our problem. He comes to change our problems, right? Sometimes, sometimes we can create cultures that allow people to kind of hold on to their issues and stay on the mat. You know, this guy was laying on a mat for 38 years. You, you ever met anybody like that, that, that they, they almost don't even identify as their name anymore? It's just their issue? You ever know anybody like that? Of course, nobody in here has issues, right? It's just our friends that didn't come tonight. None of us. None of us. Uh, none of us, absolutely. But, you know, you, you hear, you know, one time I had, a, I had a young man who worked for me on third shift. He was a big bodybuilder. I'm pretty sure he was taking steroids. The guy was just enormous. And everybody would say, Chris has an anger issue. And I remember one night about 2 in the morning, I asked him to do something. And the next thing I remember is he was one inch from my nose, spitting in my face, using swear words I've never heard before. And I was like, okay, so this is the anger issue that they were talking about. Uh, we've all met people like that, right, where it's like, oh, don't set him or her off or walk very delicately around that issue. You know, in the Bible, there are a lot of examples of people with issues. I never thought about it before, but I was reading something, and, and a, another speaker pointed it out, and I thought, wow. You know, in, in Luke chapter 8, there's the woman with the issue of blood. Remember that story? 
Um, in John chapter 4, the, the chapter previous to this, there was the Samaritan woman. We don't know her name. We just know her issue. She had some relationship issues. In John chapter 8, there was a woman who was caught in adultery. Don't know her name. Just know what she was doing. John chapter 9, the man that was born blind. Don't know his name. Just his issue. Mark chapter 5, demon possessed. No name. Just an issue. Mark chapter 1, a leper. No name. Just an issue. So lots of examples. And ladies... Some of you have forgotten your names, and you're just identifying yourself by your issue. Some of you have forgotten your identity, and I think this weekend we need to rename you. I think you need to be reminded, every one of us needs to be reminded that we are not our issue. We are more than our issues. We live in a culture that celebrates issues. We have forgotten who we are. We have the, we're having the life sucked out of us because we only focus on our issues. But Jesus came for the one that wants to be changed. You know what blows my mind? This dude had been lying by the pool for 38 years. Almost four decades he had been laying. That's longer than Jesus was alive. And I just wonder, like, did his parents, did they just drop him off there uh, for four decades? I mean, I'm just like, what would that be like? Like, just laying, laying like this for 48 years, just looking at the pool. What on earth, right? How, how we have become so identified by our issues that we just look at the pool or the healing and we think, well, that's for somebody else but not for me, right? And you know I, what I love about Jesus is he, he, he appeals to each of us based on how we are wired, right? So however your genetic makeup, your personality, whatever, you probably see different things in Jesus than what I see. I've always been a little bit sassy, and a little bit feisty, and I tend to be very direct, which tends to get me in trouble. I just don't have time for a lot of silliness, and in the line of work that I'm in, it's fast-paced, and you just got to get stuff done, and it's just fix problems, spit on fires, fix problems, spit on fires, fix problems, spit on fires. So I tend to be very direct, and I have to watch that because sometimes people will think that I'm upset and I'm not. So I have to really watch and make sure my intent is clear because I can come across sometimes as, as too direct. And, and I think that's, that's why I love certain stories about Jesus because he's so direct. And, and that's why I love this story because Jesus turns up and he just says, do you want to be healed? That's it. Very, very direct, right? I mean, how inappropriate, right? I mean, most of us would be like, well, shouldn't he come and sit by me and pat me on the leg and say, here, here now, Tricia, I know you're a victim and I know you're broken and, and I know, you know, somebody did this to you and, 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 you know, it's lonely by yourself, so let's make sure you bring some other people with you that have the same issues and 
and let's just sit right here until I come back and don't have any breakthrough and don't have any victory. And, and that's, what, that's what sometimes we, we want Jesus to do, right? Just, you know, just come on, Jesus, you know, understand me. But I love that he just says, do you want to be healed? That's what he says. You know, in today's culture, we would think, how rude, right? We'd be posting on Facebook, like, hashtag rude Jesus, hashtag mean Jesus, right? Because he's so direct. And, but I, that's what I love about it is, do you want to be healed? It's a very simple question. But you know what? There's a lot of responsibility that comes with being healed, right? We know this because you gotta, you got to give up that label, the victim. you got to stop identifying from your past mistakes, your past failures. You, gotta, you may have to move on from a different group of people. You may have to, depending on what has happened. But ladies, are we willing to let go of the bitterness, of the resentment, of the unforgiveness, of the greed, of the addiction, of the envy, of the blame, of the shame, whatever. Pick the adjective. Do you want healing more than anything else? Because with healing comes responsibility. You know what? Honestly, it would be easier to stay a victim, right? That's the easy path. But our Bibles tell us in Romans we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. You know, another part of this story that just blows my mind is when Jesus says, do you want to be healed? The guy does not jump up and down and yell, yes, yes, yes. Wouldn't you think after 38 years of laying on a mat that when Jesus says, do you want to be healed, that you would just, yes, yes, I want that. Yes, I want that. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. And how many times... Do we walk through these church doors every week carrying our issues in, carrying them right back out? Next Sunday, bring them in, bring them out. Bring them in, bring them out. You know, we are carrying heavy loads that we were never intended to carry. My husband and I, we like to do a lot of hiking, and I I keep my sister close to Jesus with some of my crazy adventures. Um, We have done some really ridiculous hikes, um, 14,000 feet, 9,000 feet where you're climbing up the side of a granite slab and just craziness. Um, the kinds of things where once you're done, you sort of say, I don't know how smart that was. Um, you know, I always pray before I go, like, well, I got friends and family in heaven and friends and family in earth. I don't guess it matters who I see next. Um, but we do some crazy hikes, and we were talking the other day because we were trying to think about what we might want to do next. And we were talking about this hike that we took a few years ago where we had to carry a 30-pound pack on our backs. And like I said, we climbed up to 14,000 feet. And when we stepped off of that trail and I unclipped my backpack and that 30-pound pack fell off, I, 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 can, I can still feel that feeling of that weight just being lifted because for you know, for 17 hours, you're hiking with this 30-pound pack on your back. And when you step off the trail and unclip that thing, it, it's like, oh. And I told my husband, I said, man, that feeling, that feeling of unclipping that pack and it dropping off, golly, that feels good. 
And no sooner had the words come out of my mouth than the Holy, I call him the Holy Speaker, because my sister's grandson, who's three, calls him the Holy Speaker, and I think that's hysterical, so I can't say the Holy Spirit anymore. I call him the Holy Speaker. That's what I mean when I say that. But no sooner had I said that to my husband that the Holy Speaker, I felt the Holy Spirit say, I can give you that same feeling. I can help you with that heavy, heavy load or heavy burden that you keep thinking you got to strap on and carry every day. I can, I can help with that. And you would think that this guy would have got that, right? I mean, for 38 years, in his words, his response, it reminds me of the verse that says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. My mother used to chirp that verse at me, and it just aggravated the snot out of me. When I was being a snotty sass mouth, she'd say, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. I was like, ugh. She was right. I'll admit it. But, you know, no 14-year-old wants to hear the scripture, right? Um, but his, his response when Jesus says, do you want to be healed, I can't even read it without reading it in a whiny voice. Because that's what I imagine that this man said. So when Jesus says, do you want to be healed? It says in verse 7, the sick man answered him. And I just have to go, "Uh, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up and when I'm going, another one steps down before me. I mean, that's how I have to read it because that's, that's how I hear it. I hear it that way in my brain. And his answer is saying, it's not my fault. No one can put me in the pool. It's not my fault. I'm, I'm in this situation because somebody hasn't or won't do something for me. Come on. After 38 years, couldn't you have, like, wiggled an inch a year? I mean, seriously, right? Like, I mean, some of us need to just stop complaining and just wiggle a little bit, right? Like, come on. Goodness, right? I just—I was like doing the math. I was like, "Come on, like a quarter of an inch for 38 years? Like, man, you would have been there." Uh, but but some of us have been in church for 38 years with the same issue, right? I want to say, like, do me a favor and get a new issue, right? Like, at least get a new one, um, you know. And I know I'm not trying to minimize issues because I know some of you would say. Well, Tricia, you don't know how bad I've had it. You're right. I don't. And I am not for one second minimizing any of your personal struggles. But some of us are laying by the pool. And some of us used to hope that God would come through for us. And now we've quit. We've quit hoping that God will come through for us. And you know what? I get it. It is painful to keep holding on. It's painful when, when the doctor's report is not good. It's, it's painful to hold on and keep believing that your marriage will be restored when it feels like it's falling apart. It, it's painful to keep believing for a son or a daughter or a spouse that's suffering with addiction. It's, it's painful to, to, to put your heart out for another adoption after one has failed. It's, it's painful to believe for financial restoration when there's more bills coming in than there is money. It's hard. It's hard, right? And what if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't happen? You know, we make peace with our brokenness. You know, and and in this country, 
we've almost made an idol out of brokenness. We know we've almost said, well, just accept it. That's just your lot in life. You know, that's just, that's just your deck of cards that you got played. So we, we just lay on the mat, not believing God for anything, not experiencing victory. We just believe that, you know, that it's noble to be a victim. We, we just give up. We just say, well, I was born this way. You, yeah, you were. We were all born sinful and broken. Every single one of us was born sinful and broken. That's why Jesus came. And ladies, some of you are so close to a miracle. Some of you are so close, but we don't believe it. We're just like this guy on the mat, and we're just saying, it's not my fault. Somebody else gets in there before me. You know what? When are we going to stop talking about what somebody else did to us and start talking about what Christ did for us? When are we going to do that? We need to start that, right? We need to, if we make what he did for us bigger than what anybody else does to us, we will have breakthrough. We have got to stop magnifying our issues. Because what, what is worth 38 years of your life? Or who is worth 38 years of your life? I don't know what they did to you, and I'm not minimizing that. But, but is it worth that many years? You know, I love Christine Kane, and she talks about how she was abused until she was 12 years old. But she says, and I love the way she says it, she says, but I've not been being abused for 40 years. Why would I allow 12 years to define my entire life when I've not been being abused for 40 years? The blood of Jesus doesn't give us amnesia. It doesn't, it doesn't make us forget what happened. We can't change the bad things that have happened. But we can talk more about what Jesus did. We can talk more about what Jesus did than what someone else did or what has happened to us, right? So Jesus challenges the man versus accommodating him. He didn't sit down with him and rehash, why are you on the mat? Who brought you to the mat? Who did this to you? He said... He spoke the truth in love, and he said, do you want to be healed? Here's something that we don't think about, ladies. There are people on the other side of your mat that are waiting for you to be obedient and to get up. It's not all about you. You know, my daddy was my hero, and he taught me so many lessons. And I remember as an eighth grader, I don't remember what I was in a fuss about. One of my friends hurt my feelings or something. I don't remember. But I was all in a tizzy. And my daddy said, you know what, Tricia, here's your problem. You think everybody's thinking about you, and they're not. I was like, what? That can't be right. Uh, he said, it's not all about you. And I was like, that, that's just, I mean, no, I don't know, 14 is eighth grade maybe. No 14-year-old wants to hear that it's not about them, right? Like, that can't be right. But it's true. It's true, right? It's not, it's not all about us. There are people that are depending on you getting up off that mat. And the devil wants you to stay on the mat. And he wants you to stay on the mat not just for you. He wants you to stay on the mat because of the other people. And you know what, ladies? You can love Jesus and stay on the mat. 
You can. And you'll go to heaven. But what about the people that are depending on you to find your healing and your wholeness so that they can find their healing and their wholeness? You know, quit posting on Facebook about your mat. Post on Facebook about your master. And what I love about Jesus, Jesus was the most compassionate person on the earth, but he didn't enable this man. He didn't continue him to continue to allow this guy to, to wallow in his, in his issues. You know, he even says something a little bit more inappropriate. He says, get up. Get up, take up your mat, and walk. First of all, he's so direct that he just says, do you want to be healed? And next he says, get up, take up your mat, and walk. Everybody else is telling us to just lay there. Jesus says, I need you to get up. I need your posture and your perspective to change. I need you to get up. And you know what? Some of us don't even recognize the view from up here because we're down there. We don't even recognize the view from up here because we've been on the mat for so long. Our view of Christ is limited from the mat. But I love that he says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus is telling him, to pick up the thing that was holding you down and get moving. That's what he says. Pick it up and empower others. Show other people they don't need to stay on the mat anymore. Walk into your purpose. Walk into your destiny and stop talking about the mat. I love that. I love that. And you know what, ladies? Some of our friends, they don't want us to come off the mat. They don't, right? Because they don't want to be challenged. And if you get off the mat, guess what? Now they don't have an excuse, right? And Jesus found him later. says in the verse, Jesus found him later in the temple. I love that. Because minutes earlier, he didn't have a shot at getting into the temple. Just minutes later. Your healing will give you access to places that you didn't have before. Minutes later. Minutes earlier, he was on the mat. He couldn't have gone to the temple. Ladies, will we be in the temple with Jesus later? Will we be in the temple? Jesus went out of his way to find that guy in the temple. And he told him, hey, sin, don't sin anymore. And don't keep doing that thing that puts you on the mat. It's basically what, that's the Trisha Clark version of what Jesus said. Don't keep doing what puts you on the mat. Ladies, this isn't about me or you. We have generations at stake. We have destinies at stake. We need to draw a bloodline in the sand. And, and, and with many of us, with Jesus and us, addiction stops, violence stops, abuse stops, confusion stops, inadequacy stops. In your bloodline, it all stops with Christ. So I wonder, do we know this get up and pick up your mat, Jesus? You know, you know what, maybe, maybe you have a strong Christian faith and nobody knows you're on the mat. It can happen, right? You don't have to just be desperately broken. It could be anything. It could be emotional. It could be spiritual. It could be relational. It could be financial. He wants to awaken some areas in your life that you thought were dead. 
And if he said it, he'll do it. Let's start believing him to do it. Don't believe that your life can't change. Don't believe that the lives of your loved ones can't change. Get up, pick up that mat, and walk into your freedom. You are not your issue. You are a daughter of the Most High God. You are what he says you are. His word will never change. You know, in our, in our little bags, there was a, a, little, a little note that had scripture verses on it. And I love that. You are what he says you are. You are chosen. You are beloved. You are pursued. And you are his. So the real question is, ladies, do we want to be healed? Do we want to be healed? I'm going to ask you to do something as I close. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm just going to ask you to hold your hands out like this, palms up. I don't know if the worship team wants to come back up or, or not. I'm not sure what the plans are, but hold your hands. Just, just open your palms like this, both of them. Ladies, for a lot of my life, I have gone through life with clenched fists. Clenching my fists, holding on to whatever, a relationship, a job title, a, a certain amount of income, a, many, many things. I have, I have walked around with clenched fists. And it hasn't been but in the last five or six years that I have learned to open my hands and just say, whatever, God, whatever you got, whatever you want to do, it's all yours. It doesn't matter. So, ladies, I, the song has been going through my mind, and, and you probably, I'm, I'm showing my age here. Down there at that little church that I grew up in on Highway 25, we used to sing a song, and it said, it goes like this, I'll sing it, forgive my scratchy voice. It says, more of you, more of you, I've had it all, but what I need is just more of you, of things I've had my fill. And yet I hunger still, empty and bare. Lord, hear my prayer for more of you. Ladies, how much more? That is my prayer. More of you, God. More of you. Of things I've had my fill, and yet I hunger still. Empty and bare, Lord, hear my prayer for more of you. More of you. So, ladies, if you want to be healed, if you're comfortable coming to the altar, please come forward. If you're not comfortable, that's perfectly fine. You are not one bit less of a holy Christian by sitting in your chair and praying. I have some of my best prayer revivals on my drive to work. And there are people in Springfield that think, what on earth is going on in that car? Her fists are waving, her hands are, she's snotting and snorting and crying and talking to somebody. You don't have to come to an altar to talk to Jesus. If you're comfortable doing so, please do so. There are many people that would love to pray with you. If not, sit in your chair, experience his presence, and answer that question. Do 
you want to be healed.